You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine, produced in cooperation with AMDA. Your host is Dr. Eric Tangelos, Professor of Medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and a Certified Medical Director in Long-Term Care. Although dialysis can increase longevity for patients with end-stage renal disease, the quality of life outcomes for patients undergoing dialysis are uncertain, especially among the elderly. What factors should be taken into consideration when determining who might benefit most from dialysis? And how can we provide optimal care to patients with kidney failure? Joining us to discuss dialysis in long-term care is Dr. Manjula Kurella Tamura, nephrologist and assistant professor of medicine at Stanford University School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Corella Tamura. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're delighted to have you. We're going to start with a general discussion of kidney disease and kidney failure and then get to the role of dialysis. So tell us in your role as a nephrologist about kidney failure. Okay. Well, we use the term end-stage renal disease or ESRD to indicate kidney failure And that typically means that a person has lost about 85 to 90% of the normal kidney's function and that the loss of function is likely to be permanent. So when the kidneys fail, waste products and excess salt and water accumulate in the body and lead to a variety of symptoms and ultimately, if untreated, can lead to death. Okay, well, our audience is a professional audience, and they're pretty well tuned in to kidney disease and some of the definitions, but I don't think they're particularly tuned into how this is progressing, the number of patients that are out there, and where we think the population is going with regards to kidney disease and kidney failure. Talk about that for a while. In terms of the U.S. population, There are somewhere just under 400,000 patients with end-stage renal disease, and the majority of those patients, 300,000 plus, are receiving dialysis. In terms of the dialysis population, the elderly, meaning those patients who are over 75, are the fastest-growing segment of the dialysis population. Some recent estimates have put their growth over the last decade at roughly... 50% over the last 10 years. So this is a really rapid pace of growth, particularly for this segment of the dialysis population. Whereas if you look at the middle-aged dialysis population, their growth has seemed to have stabilized over the same period of time. Now, in terms of why this growth is happening, some of this is just aging of the population. And some of it, of course, is the higher prevalence of diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. People are surviving longer from cardiovascular events. People are living long enough with diabetes to develop kidney failure, but that doesn't seem to explain all of the growth that we've seen. And so many people have speculated that this growth is happening in part because physicians are more likely nowadays as compared to in the past to offer dialysis to the very elderly. Okay, so with regards to renal replacement therapy, we have uh, the opportunity for either dialysis or transplant. This discussion really is about your work with dialysis patients. Do they still have the same kinds of diseases that younger patients that end up with end-stage renal disease have? I think that's an important point. In a younger patient, we typically see kidney failure result from a single disease process, 
either diabetes in isolation without other significant comorbid conditions or glomerular disease or an inherited disease like polycystic kidney disease. And the comorbidities that the patient has typically result from the chronic kidney disease. In an older patient, the characteristics, both the comorbidities and the processes that lead to kidney failure seem to be much different. First, many patients have loss of kidney function with aging or glomerulosclerosis, and the extent to which this contributes to severe kidney failures is unknown, actually. But what's kind of emerging as a new story in our field is that some of the elderly patients in particular may be prone to develop end-stage renal disease after episodes of acute renal failure. So these may be patients who have very mild reductions in their kidney function, perhaps from glomerulosclerosis or other processes that, if nothing else had happened, would probably progress very slowly, if at all. But they seem to be very prone to develop acute kidney injury and in that context develop end-stage renal disease. That's very interesting. So let's say that after an acute event and an insult, what happens to the mortality rate? What changes in that patient who's now had kidney damage? Well, those patients in the acute setting, the mortality of a patient who has acute kidney injury uh, on top of chronic kidney injury and needs to start dialysis is quite high, on the order of over 50%. If the patient survives, they're much more likely to have permanent kidney damage and then be dialysis-dependent. And their mortality at that point remains high, not quite at 50%, but on the order of over 20% per year. Oh, very good. Many of us who practice in long-term care have clearly experienced an increased number of patients with not only chronic renal disease, but chronic end-stage renal disease. And many of us, most of us, as a matter of fact, have patients on dialysis right now in long-term care facilities. Do you want to talk in general about the uh, special considerations for this population? Sure. Well, I think we talked on first what we mentioned just now is how the processes leading to kidney failure may be different in these patients. The other difference in terms of patient characteristics is that these patients are much more likely to have other serious, uh, potentially life-limiting illnesses, such as advanced heart failure, metastatic cancer, or even dementia. So that even if kidney failure is treated by dialysis, the dialysis doesn't treat these other medical problems, and as you alluded to in your introduction, uh, may not substantially extend life for those reasons. In fact, the literature in this area is conflicting, and some studies suggest dialysis doesn't extend life compared to non-dialytic therapy in the very sickest patients. The other difference, I think, for patients in long-term care facilities are the logistics of performing dialysis as compared to community-dwelling patients. Most long-term care facilities don't have on-site dialysis, and most don't have experience with performing peritoneal dialysis or don't accept patients who perform peritoneal dialysis. So for the vast majority of long-term care patients, they need to be transported from their long-term care facility to a dialysis clinic three times a week. If you add in the time for transport, which can be several hours, These are patients who are probably away from their nursing home for five to six hours a day, three times a week, and that, as you know, takes away valuable time that they might be participating in rehabilitation uh, programs at their long-term care facility. 
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Tangalos, and joining me to discuss dialysis in long-term care is Dr. Manjula Karela Tamura, nephrologist and assistant professor of medicine at Stanford University School of Medicine. Well, Dr. Karela Tamura, let's now talk about the recent article in the New England Journal where you were the lead author on discussing functional status and dialysis in elderly patients in long-term care settings. You did the study. What did you find? First, let me provide a little bit of context to the study. So as I alluded to earlier, there is some controversy as to whether dialysis extends life for the very sickest of patients who are starting on dialysis. And so one rationale for starting dialysis in these patients is that even if dialysis doesn't extend life substantially, it might improve quality of life, it might improve functioning for these patients. So we wanted to address this latter question. We wanted to see whether dialysis, in fact, improved functioning for long-term care patients who are being started on dialysis. So what we found is that this didn't seem to be true. Only one of every eight long-term care patients who were starting on dialysis were able to maintain their pre-dialysis functional levels a year after starting dialysis. Your paper also generated an editorial on the role of palliative care. That's pretty exciting to have uh, that much interest. If dialysis didn't improve the functional status of these patients and didn't really improve their longevity, what's the argument for doing it? In today's world and healthcare debate, is this an inappropriate use of resource? First, let me just clarify one thing. Our paper wasn't able to say whether dialysis improved longevity because we didn't have a comparable group of patients who did not start dialysis. So we, we can address in the current research paper whether dialysis extended life or to what extent it extended life. Having clarified that, I think it's hard to say that dialysis is or is not an inappropriate use of resources. I think one has to look at this at an individual patient level and ask, is dialysis likely to improve quality of life, improve functioning, or improve longevity in the individual patient sitting in front of me? Well, that's fair. So let's deal with our audience now and in the questions that come up with them in everyday practice. What recommendations would you make for optimal care for older patients with kidney failure? And how can you help our audience best approach dialysis decisions? I would look at three different factors when talking with patients. And even before that, let me say that I think it's extremely important to address these questions early in the course of their chronic kidney disease and or refer them to a nephrologist if possible. One of the most difficult things in my practice is seeing a patient for the first time when they are very close to the need for dialysis, and then it becomes almost like you have to start dialysis because you're kind of at the edge of a cliff and you feel pushed into it. So if you have the opportunity to have these discussions early, I think it benefits everyone involved. So that being said, I think there are three factors that we have to look at when making dialysis decisions. The first is what are the potential indications for dialysis in this patient, and we shouldn't be looking at just their eGFR. It should not be, you know, well, the patient has a GFR of 15, so now it's time to start dialysis. 
we should be looking at, are there other indications for dialysis? Is there refractory fluid overload? Is there hyperkalemia that we simply cannot treat with other maneuvers? Or is there failure to thrive? Is it cognitive impairment? And I say this because it's likely in this population who has other geriatric syndromes that some of these factors may be more responsive to dialysis than others. So, for example, we're finding more and more that cognitive impairment or failure to thrive may be indicators of other conditions other than their kidney disease, and these may not be conditions that are responsive to starting dialysis. So, whereas, for example, fluid overload may be one of those things that, if it's refractory to diuretic therapy, may be actually improved by starting dialysis. So second, we have to ask, what is this patient's estimated life expectancy and quality of life with dialysis? And I think this is where our research kind of helps provide doctors and other healthcare providers with some of that information. So for example, we know that the average 85-year-old starting dialysis has a life expectancy of 12 months. Our study provides some information about what we can anticipate in terms of functional capacity. And then I think tools such as comprehensive geriatric assessment are also useful for kind of estimating the patient's functional age in addition to their chronological age. And lastly, I think we have to assess what are the patient's individual preferences and treatment goals? Are they more interested in symptom management? Are they interested in staying out of the hospital? Or are they interested in doing everything they can to extend life? So those are, I think, the three factors we should look at when we approach dialysis decision-making. Well, I think your paper and this discussion really are reflective of one another and that dialysis isn't for everybody. And in the context of understanding the patients, their needs, their functional limitations, each of us can make better decisions uh, with regards to the end-stage care of the patients. You've also made a great point about getting a nephrologist or somebody involved early so that it doesn't come as a surprise and that interventions are appropriate all along the way before you get to the end of the disease state. Well, listen, I'd like to thank my guest from Stanford University School of Medicine, Dr. Manjula Karela Tamura. Dr. Karela Tamura, thank you very much for being our guest this week on Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine. Thanks. It's a pleasure. You have been listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine is produced in cooperation with AMDA. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts.